Welcome back everyone to our High Five, where we're going to highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, Antoine attended our Manchester outpost this past Sunday and found himself ready to respond to what God was calling him to do and be baptized. Antoine claims the truth that his identity is in Christ and we're all celebrating that with him today. High five, Antoine. In at number four, this past Saturday, over 400 people gathered at our Manchester outpost for their fall festival. They enjoyed breakfast for dinner, obstacle courses, crafts, and even axe throwing. High five Manchester to sharing God's love with your community. Here at number three, groups are just past the halfway mark of their 10 week journey through Rooted. They've spent time connecting with each other's stories, studying the character of God, and most recently, working through strongholds. High five to everyone in Rooted right now. We're praying for you. Up at number two, our Bedford Outpost gathered Sunday evening for a night of worship. There were songs of praise, quiet moments in prayer, and the sound of so many shouting the names of our ones. Way to go, Bedford. We're praying for one, knowing that God will give us one. High five to sharing his love. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating our first baptism at our Franklin Outpost and are so excited about how God is moving in the life of Xavier. This past Sunday, he was baptized and it was a beautiful celebration of his faith in Jesus. Way to go, Xavier. This high five goes out to you today. Thanks for joining us once again for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. So Xavier's a guy who, I think four or five weeks ago, uh, walked into Franklin uh, the first time he's ever been into a church in his life. Um, we started praying for him. We started praying with him, meeting with him, asking, answering any questions that we could. And, and last week uh, in the evening, he, he gave his life to Jesus, which is awesome, which is wonderful to see. Um, God's always on the move. God's always, always working. Um, there's people that you go to work with or go to school with that God is, is stirring. And I think we, he puts us there. He puts us in the middle of the relationships. I'm preaching already. I'll, I'll pray and then we'll get, we'll get started. But man, seize the moment. Seize the moment. We all pray with me. Lord, you're at work. <clears throat> and Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray that um, you might make our hearts ready for the work you want to do in us. Lord, for each and every person here, brothers and sisters, Lord, people that we know or people we don't know. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who is faithful and good. And Lord, I pray that in this time, in these moments, Lord, that it might be less about someone speaking from a stage and more about what you want to say to us um, individually, but also corporately. And so, Lord, I just ask that you do your work. That's your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> my, uh, my son is 16, and I have found that he can make pretty bold claims. I don't know if that's like a 16-year-old thing, or I don't know if that's a Beckett thing. Um, but he can make some, he can make, and, and it gets a little, they can get a little weird too. Um, so we were at a soccer game, my daughter's soccer game, we're sitting in the stands, we're in the back of the stands, so everybody can hear everything, everything that we're saying, and, and literally out of nowhere, he says, Dad, I, I think I could take out three coyotes. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, two would be easy, four would be too many. I think I could take three. 
And, and what was funny is like some of the dads in the stands, like they started like talking with him. It's like, are you sure you can take three? And he's like, yeah, I think I can take three. He's like, well, you realize that, 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 that two makes it a whole lot different. He's like, no, I think I can take three. He makes some, he makes some bold claims. Same, same day. Um, same day, he makes his dad proud. Same day, he, he, he's sitting there, he's like, Dad, I, I think I could run faster than anyone a mile from here. In this, anyone a mile, in a mile radius. I'm like, what? Boy, you're thinking a lot there, aren't you? We make some bold claims. And I think about, I think about the claims of a 16-year-old boy, but I also realize that we sometimes make bold claims. Like, we, we say things to God like, God, if you... If you will deliver me from this, God, if you can meet me in the midst of my failure, God, if you can, if you can help me with my bank account, then, then from this point on, my life is yours. Like, I don't, I don't even want to ask you if, if you've ever prayed that prayer, but God, I am in a mess. God, I am in a pickle. God, I don't know how to get out of this situation, but if you can show your faithfulness, if you can show your grace right now, man, I am all in. I'm never making a mistake again. I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer, but I've, I've had that sometimes. It's like, God, I am all in. I think about like, um, when you come to Christ as a new Christian, and you're like, yes, I want to follow Jesus. He is going to be Lord of my life. And then all of a sudden, like other things trickle in and you become Lord of your own life and you make your own decisions. We make bold claims. But we don't always follow through on them. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you realize that Jesus made some bold claims. I mean, Jesus said some stuff. Jesus said some stuff that were pretty bold. He, he was looking at a temple one day. He was looking at Solomon's temple or Herod's temple, and, and, and he said, destroy this, and in three days I will raise it up again. And like, what are you talking about? It took, it took generations for that temple to be built. What are you talking about? Destroy it, and it gets raised, raised again. And, and really, he wasn't talking about the temple. He was talking about his life. He was talking about his body, which is no less of a bold claim. The no less of a bold claim is like, if you kill me, I will come back to life again. And, and Jesus will say this over and over to his disciples, and they don't know what in the world he's talking about. But Jesus is saying, if you cannot take me out, the Father will raise me to life again. And so Jesus will make some bold claims. The difference between him and me is that he can follow through. That he will follow through on all of them. He can make some bold claims. He'll make some bold claims for you today. That he can meet you in your mess and make, meet you in your mistakes. That he can meet you in your sin and separate as far as the east is from the west. And I don't know about you, but there's moments in my life where that seems like a bold claim. Can you really do that, Jesus? That he loves me. That he'll never leave me or forsake me. That he loves you. That he will never leave you or forsake you. So Jesus will make some bold claims. And we're in personal appearances, the, the moments when Jesus will appear to his disciples after his resurrection. And it's been kind of cool because you get to see all of these different personalities, like, like looking at Jesus and trying to understand Jesus and what Jesus is doing and what Jesus has said. And so our memory verse comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. We're going to read it together. And it is like the fulfillment of Jesus' bold claim. Jesus has been resurrected. He's come to life again. And what Jesus did, he starts showing himself to all of the people. He shows himself to his disciples. And that's what our memory verse is. It's like the bold claim that Jesus made is, is now reality. That, that Jesus has raised from the dead and with him all of our hope. And so read this with me. It's going to be up on the screen here in just one second. All right, say it aloud. Let's make this room uh, reverberate. I like that word. Um, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Go talk to them. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, go talk to them. What Jesus said, his crazy radical claim, destroy the temple and raise it again in three days, it has happened. And so if you're questioning, it, what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is, go talk to the people. Let them give evidence of the personal appearances of Jesus. Praise God. He's raised to life again. So today we're talking about Peter. 
So we've talked about Mary Magdalene, and we've talked about Thomas, Thomas the Brave, Thomas the Loyal. Sometimes people call him Doubting Thomas, but he's Thomas the Brave. Um, today we're talking about Peter. Sometimes he's called Simon, a fisherman. Simon's kind of among Jesus' followers. It's, it's kind of fun to look at all the different personalities. He's like the brash one. He's the bold one. Any bold people in the room, you're the brash one. You're the one who's saying stuff that nobody else is saying. Asking questions that nobody else is asking necessarily. Getting yourself in trouble where like everybody else is like, what are they saying again? Is any of, the, any of you, any, anybody in the room, is that you? Like, that, that's Peter. That's, that's what I like about Peter. Like, it's not me, but I can appreciate it in his personality because I'm kind of opposite. So I, sometimes I see bold, brash people. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of like that. So Simon Peter, he's, before he'd ever met Jesus, he's in a boat. And he gets in the boat. Jesus gets in the boat. He says, Peter, push off, push off ashore. I got to talk to these people. I want to teach them. And so Jesus starts teaching them. And Peter is just, okay, I guess we're doing this. Then Jesus says, after he's done preaching, he tells Peter, hey, let's go fishing. And Simon's like, I, I'm a fisherman, Jesus. You stay, you stay, with what you, stay in your lane. Um, but he's like, we've been fishing all day and we haven't caught anything. Jesus says, just go. So they go out and he tells Simon, put your net on the other side of the boat. So Simon puts the net down. And the net becomes filled with fish. And Simon Peter, he's like, whoa. I am not. I am not with just some normal man right now. He says, away from me, Lord. I am, I'm, a, I'm just a man. And, and I don't know who you are. I'm figuring out who you are. And Jesus says, you, you're pretty good at catching fish. Well, you kind of. Um, you're good at catching fish. How about you come and catch men with me? So Peter left his nets and he goes to follow him. And then you watch this recording of Peter where Peter's trying to like walk with God. And, and, and there's great moments in Peter's life. There's these moments when, when, when they're in a boat and a storm comes up. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. And there's waves crashing and, 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 and they see Jesus walking on the water. And Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, let me come walk on the water with you. And, 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 and we, uh, we often talk about that story because Peter will look away from Jesus because of the waves. And, and, and he'll start to fall. But, you know, I think about Peter, I'm like... Good for him for getting out of the boat. Everybody else is in the boat. At least Peter's like, hey, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. So at least he stepped out of the boat. Um, there's these moments where, uh, where Peter will mess up. There's these moments where Peter will say something he probably shouldn't say. He'll do something he probably shouldn't do. Any of you like that? Any of you go through situations where you say something you shouldn't say, do something you shouldn't do. Here's what, I, here's what I know about Jesus. Jesus knows our weakness. On, in one realm, in one world, that could be terrifying. Any of you got weaknesses? Any of you got weaknesses and struggles? And it could be terrifying in the sense that God knows me. Man, God knows me. He knows my thoughts. He knows my actions. He knows, he knows what, I, what no one else knows. You know, all of that stuff. Jesus, Jesus knows my weaknesses. And so that could be, that could be terrifying. And yet, when you start to understand the love of God, it's like, no, he knows me, but he loves me. He loves me despite that. He loves me even in the midst of that, that, that Jesus knows my weaknesses. And so when you look at the life of Peter, you see a guy who is just a normal person trying to follow Jesus. And I think it's important for us as the church to, to get that. He's just a normal guy. Not all that different from you or from me, and he's just seeking to follow Jesus, and there's a lot of mistakes along the way. In um, John chapter 13, John chapter 13, Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet. Sort of strange picture, isn't it? God washing 
people's feet. And he's washing their feet because no one else has. Because there's a whole pride thing. It's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Like, and, and Jesus is like, I'll do it. I'll wash your feet. What kind of God is that? Like, I'll, I'll wash your feet. And Peter, Peter has like this moment. Peter has this prideful moment. Maybe you have this. Maybe any, there might be some proud people among us. Like, like, Peter's like, no, you ain't washing my feet, Jesus. No, fire me in for, I, I don't want you to wash my feet. You're, you're, you're king. You're God. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. And Jesus, and Peter says, like, give me a whole bath then. Like, head to toe. I want to go all in. And Jesus is like, no, I'll, I'll just wash your feet, buddy. <laughs> like, calm down. This is a little bit, Peter. Um, later on in that upper room, Jesus will tell his disciples he's going away. And Peter doesn't know how to handle it. He doesn't, he doesn't know what to do with it. And that's where we pick up today. John chapter 13, verses 33 through 38. Jesus knows my weakness. He knows who I am. He knows who you are. He knows your worries. He knows your struggles. He knows, he knows what's going on in your life right now. The things that you aren't telling everybody else. He knows it. He knows what's going on. And he can meet you there and he can do something about it. And so this is the story. My children, I will be with you. I, I will only be with you a little longer. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. I thought about that. Jesus parting words to his disciples. I'm going away. I'm going to give you a new command, love one another. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not a new command. Like, that's not a command. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, is like they memorize it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus had kept telling, love one another. So, so what is he talking about? He says, a new command I, I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you see, Jesus gave depth to what love was. Jesus didn't stay on the light side of love. He's saying, I want you to love people like I love you. And you're about to see what my love for you looks like. It means I'm going to die for you. It means I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. It means that I'm going to make you like bigger than me in my, in, in, in my servanthood of you. And now I want you to love like that. And I thought how sometimes our definitions of love can be so shallow in a lot of ways. And Jesus is saying, no, I want you to love with the love of Jesus. And then he goes on to say this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that beautiful? You think of all the ways that people can know that we are followers of Jesus. And you think of all the things that churchy people try to do to say, to, to, to indicate or say, you know, I, I got my life together. It's all, it's all working out. It's like, like we, we do all of the way we dress sometimes, the way we talk. We, we do all of this stuff. And yet what Jesus says, if you want people to know that you are my disciples, love with the love of Jesus. The people that you go to school with tomorrow, if you want, if like, how do I let people know that I'm a follower of Jesus? This is love like Jesus. Love people like Jesus would love them. If you go to work tomorrow, how do, how, how do you let your boss, how do you let your coworkers know that you are a follower of Jesus? You love them like Jesus would love them. You're like, well, that's hard. Well, absolutely it's hard. <laughs> like, that's why we need his love, not our love, because our love has its own flaws. The new command I give you, love as I have loved you. Then he goes on to say this. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love, love one another. Simon Peter asked him, uh, Lord, where are you going? <laughs> this is what I find so me-ish and so human. Jesus has just said, this is the great command that I want you to hold on to. I'm going to be going away. And as I go away, I want you to hold on to this. Love one another like I have loved you. And Peter's like, yeah, we, love, 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 great, love. Where are you going? Tell me where you're going. It's like the distracted little kid who can't like, like focus. It's like, just tell me where you're going. 
And maybe sometimes how we think, Lord, give us a definition, a, di- a different picture of who you're calling us to be as the church or what you're calling us to do. Lord, show us where you're going and we'll go with you. And Jesus is like, no, I already told you love. Love people. Love people as I have loved you. And then Peter goes this. He says, Peter asks, Lord, um, Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Bold claim. Brash claim. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. I will lay down. I will give my life for you. I'll give you everything, Jesus. Lord, I will follow you right now. Love, love, love. I don't know about all the love stuff, but I know that I'm willing right now. We're going to battle. We're going to war. You're my king. You're going to take over. I will lay down my life for you. And Peter, Jesus will say to Peter, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Jesus, he knows our weakness. He knows our words. And again, that could be, that could be scary or that could be incredibly comforting. Jesus knows that Peter's got his flaws. Jesus knows that I got my flaws. Jesus knows that you have your flaws. He's able to meet you in them. He loves Peter. He loves Peter even though he can run off a little bit. He knows Peter though he can get distracted a little bit. He knows our weaknesses. And he gets to see him. He, gets to, he walks with us in the midst of him. Jesus, after he's, pray, after he's with his disciples in the upper room, he goes to a garden to pray. and It's like this. It's like this, oh man, it's like a heavy prayer of Jesus. He's, he's in the garden and he's saying, Father, if there is any other way, which makes me appreciate the cross so much more when you look at the prayer of Jesus, he says, Father, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to say this in correct terms, so just give me grace in the midst of God. God, if there's any other way, I'm not, I, like, I, if there's any other Lord, show there another, let there be another way that this, this cup can be passed from me, but I'm not going to do my will, Father. I want to do what your will is. And so Jesus is praying and it says he's sweating to drops of blood, whether that's metaphorical or not. Jesus is, there, there is a lot of consternation and there's a lot of stuff going on in his life. And he goes back to his disciples and he's like, hey guys, how's the prayer going? And they're all sleeping. Peter among them. When was going to give his life for him? He's sleeping. He's just, guys, can't you guys wake up? Can't you, can't you pray with me? And they're like, oh yeah, well, we're with you, Jesus. We're with you. <laughs> Any of you have that moment? I'm with you, Jesus. And so Jesus goes and prays again and he comes back and they're sleeping again a third time. And, and Jesus says this. He says, ah, oh, I know, I know that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes when I look at my own life, and if I had to even just speak into your life, there's moments when your spirit feels so strong. You're like, Jesus, I'm with you. My whole life is yours. But then it, ah, your stupid flesh. (laughs) you, You have your weaknesses, and you have your weaknesses, and I have my weaknesses, and Jesus knows our weaknesses. And he knows Peter's weakness. Soldiers come and they arrest Jesus. Kind of a 
weird, kind of a powerful thing that, that happens. All these soldiers come. Judas betrays them with the kiss. They ask, which one of you is Jesus? And Jesus says, I am he. And oh, it's very strange. All, all the soldiers fall down on their knees. And I'm like, what in the world is that about? They all fall down on their knees. That's just strange to me. And then they get up again. And he says, I, I, am, I am he. And it's at that moment that Peter, oh, man, bold Peter. Man, he, he grabs his sword. What in the world is he doing? He grabs his sword. And he, he, he swipes it down. And he cuts off a guy's ear. And I was thinking about it. We were talking about his preaching team. We were like, we never like really thought about this. And, and we're like, was Peter going for the ear? Isn't it kind of weird? Like, was he going for the ear? I, I just, as of no importance, I suppose, at all. But like, man, Peter's brass and bold, and he may not be the best sword handler. Um, again, strange, strange, strange. Jesus reaches down to the ear of Malchus, picks it up, puts it back on his head, perfectly heals him. What? What in the world is going on? Jesus tells Peter, Peter, put away your sword. Sometimes our personalities, we're quick to draw the sword, right? We're quick to go to battle. Like we're quick to, we're, we're quick to get into the fight. We're, we're, we're quick with our words. We're quick with our actions. We're quick with the things that are motivating us. We're quick with the, those things inside us that just stir us. And we're like, oh, I'm not sure if I can't do this. Double negative. I don't know. I, oh, I just got to do that. Like all of this stuff, we're quick with it. Jesus knows our weakness. And what I find is that pressure, pressure reveals our weaknesses. I mean, we have our weaknesses, and it doesn't always take pressure, but there's one thing that I think we know is that pressure will start to reveal some of our weaknesses. When the financial pressure starts to come, you may not be talking to your family the same, right? When work, when you had a bad day at work, when the external pressures come, like the weaknesses, whatever your weakness might be, whether it be anger or worry or fear, like the pressure, like pressure can start to show all of the weaknesses that are going on in our life. Sometimes when, when the pressure comes, like those little addictions, they start to pop out again, and like, ah, oh, you're, you're looking for some type of resolution or sometimes uh, some type of release, and so all of a sudden the pressure comes and it starts to show all of our weakness. Um, Every year my, the, in my town, I live in Loudoun, and the racetrack has a time where all kids can bring their bikes and ride around the track. It's kind of fun. It's like, who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want to be on like a NASCAR track, walking on it? And so I, I took them this year, and I found Pip's bike. Pip's is six years old, and um, she has this bike. My kids have all these bikes. None of them work all that well. And... Um, so we get out there and we're, we're getting ready to load it up. I wasn't prepared at all. And it's got a flat tire. And so I, I grab the air compressor and I start putting air in her tire. And, and I did that thing that you might have done. Like if a little bit of air is going to be good, man, I want her to ride around this track. And so let's put a little bit of more air in. Have you ever made that dumb decision? A little bit of air is good. Let's, let's just make it, let's just make it all a little better, all a little stronger. And so I put a little more air in and then I took the kids to the track and they're waiting for their friends to show up. And I'm like, Oh, you guys do, you do your, do your inauguration lap, do your first lap. And so they go and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I think it's a mile. And I'm waiting. I'm, they went by themselves. That's the kind of dad I am. And, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And Max comes around the corner after four days, and I'm like, where is your sister? He's like, her tire blew out. So I had to walk. Poor me. I had to walk, pick up Pip and her tears, and help her walk her bike back. And I thought about, I thought about Pressure. And I thought about external pressures, and I thought about internal pressures, and I thought about whatever was going on in that tire. I know it was my fault, but I know that that pressure will start to find its way into the weakest point. And I thought, scriptures say this, Peter will say it this way, the devil prowls around like a roaring, Peter, ah, Peter, Peter, 
Peter says, he writes this later on, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for where the tire is weak. He, I elaborated that a little bit. He's looking for the weaknesses of the tire. He's like, he's looking for the little foothold and there's, there's little footholds in our life where he's trying to, to take a little step and what happens is pressure comes internal and external and all of a sudden all of our weaknesses start to come out and you're like, oh man, I'm a mess. Any of you messes? Any of you messes sometimes? Like, oh man, oh, this is tough. Pressure shows our weaknesses. We know that. Jesus knows our weaknesses. So Peter's led away. Jesus is led away, I'm sorry. And then Peter and another disciple start following him. A lot of the other disciples are scattered, but Peter and another disciple, they, they try to follow Jesus. And that's where we pick up. Because what you'll start to find is that the temperature for Peter's life is starting to turn up. The heat is starting to come. The pressure. Peter is starting to feel the pressure. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Now, because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. Now, the other disciple who was known to the high priest, he came back. He spoke to the servant girl on duty and there brought in Peter. So Peter gets to come into the courtyard waiting at the high priest. And it says Peter was waiting there. Um, and, and this girl comes up to him. A servant girl comes up to him and says, you aren't one of the man's disciples too, are you? He replied, I am not. It was cold. And the servants and the officials stood around a fire they made to keep warm. Now Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. There's a fire there. Hold on to that fire image because I think John, as he writes his letter, I think as he writes his gospel, he's telling us something about fire. But I know fire, fire sometimes can, 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 can bring the heat. And Peter's feeling the heat because he's watching Jesus being pulled away. And he's not sure exactly what's going to happen. He's not sure if they're out to kill him. He thinks they are enough that he's going to take out a sword and cut off a guy's ear. And so Peter's, he's like, ah, the servant girl's like, are you, are you, were you with him? And like, no, I'm not with him at all. You skip on the next couple of verses and um, Jesus will go before the high priest and the, priest, the high priest will ask him all kinds of questions. What's interesting, I think John is also building a contrast because Jesus is being open and, and direct with his answers. While at the same time, Peter is, is being um, guarded and deceitful in his answers. But then it comes back to Peter. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, denied it, saying, I am not. Now, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, he's like, okay, you cut off my cousin's ear. I know, I think it was you. I think that was you. And Peter, it says in other passages, it'll say, he called down curses. And he says, he says um, didn't I see with you in the garden? And Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Peter knew it. You ever come to that moment? And I think Peter had full conviction. I think Peter had full conviction, as I have had full conviction, and you have had full conviction, when he says, Jesus, I will give my life for you. I, I will follow you. Full conviction. And yet Jesus knows we're weak. He knows our struggles. He knows we've got all of these stuff going on. He knows that, that pressures, pressure can start to, to, to inflate the thing. Or fire can start to, 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 to turn up the heat. And so I was thinking about some of the pressures that Peter was going through. Because you probably go through them too. I, I certainly have gone through them. Emotional pressures. Like Peter has watched a lot happen. Like he's, he, he, he has seen or at least heard some of the stuff that, that 
that is about to happen to Jesus. And so, so, so Peter has this emotional pressure. Like, I also think Peter probably had some relational pressure. You're with Jesus, right? I don't know Jesus. What are you talking about? Like, I think there's political pressure. Like, following Jesus, like saying he's a follower of Jesus could really cost him, like, like politically. Like, like if, if Jesus is, in their estimation, claiming to be king, then what does that mean for the rulers and what does that mean for Peter's life? And so I thought about all these pressures that we feel. Financial pressure? He's a fisherman? Like, if this thing, if thing, this thing turns further south, I mean, what about his whole fishing business? Like, does he really want to be attached to this Jesus guy? And so I started to think about all of the different pressures we might come to as we are followers of Jesus. There's all kinds of these emotional, relational, all of these types of pressures. And they start to show our weaknesses. Peter sees them and he feels them and Jesus knows them. But what I love about Jesus is that Jesus can redeem our, our weakness. That's the good news. The good news is that Jesus knows my weakness. Jesus knows your weakness. And that these external pressures and these internal pressures, they start to, to show our weaknesses. They start to come out as we stand by the fire and the fire starts to, starts to get at us. But Jesus can restore. Jesus can restore our weakness. Jesus is led away and He's crucified, he's buried. And then we flash forward towards the end of John. And at the end of John, Jesus has appeared twice before our text. And as he, as he appeared to them, they were in an upper room and he kind of came through the, through the door and appears and peace, peace be with you. But on the third time, Simon Peter and some of his friends, they didn't, I don't know if they didn't know what else to do, but they went fishing. As they go fishing, a man is walking along the beach, and he says, hey, put out your net on the other side. As they put out the net on the other side, and they drop the net in, and they pull it up again, and they, get, they catch a, a whole bunch of fish. And one of the disciples says, hey, that's Jesus. That's our Lord. And Peter's like, it's our Lord. And so he puts the outer coat on, he jumps in the water, and he runs to Jesus, and Jesus has a fire. Jesus has a fire going on the beach. I thought about fire. And sometimes I thought of the very places where we walk away from God. He starts to bring us back to those same situations to redeem us in them. And so Jesus tells Peter, Peter, he says, I want you to go get a fish. And let's cook it and let's have breakfast together. And that's where we pick up Jesus and Peter on the beach. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus. Uh, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You see what I think? I think what Jesus is doing. Remember, remember Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love. I want you to love people. I want you to love as I have loved you. And Peter's like, no, no, no. I just want to follow you. And now Peter has made his mistakes and he's made his struggles. And Jesus is coming back to the new command. He says, Peter, do you love me? Then love people. 
Peter, do you love me? Then take care of people. Peter, do you feel the weight of your weakness? I'll I'll meet you in your weakness, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to love people as I have loved you. I want you to take care of my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. In Jesus, we see this opportunity for deserters to be redeemed. This opportunity that when our weakness comes out, when the pressure hits, it's not so great that God can't bring us back from it. So here Jesus is with Peter, who had denied him three times around a fire. Isn't this intriguing? Denied him three times around a fire. Now Jesus and Peter are sitting around a fire. And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? I don't think Jesus was being mean. I don't think Jesus was being cruel. I I think Jesus is letting Peter affirm three times that he loves him around a fire. Isn't Isn't that crazy? Isn't that cool? We talk a lot about the Last Supper. We talk a lot about the Last Supper of like everything that happened at the Last Supper. But I realized how important the last breakfast was for Peter. Like, what I need sometimes in my life is a last breakfast. What I need sometimes is breakfast. Like, like the night, like, last supper night was tough. Last supper night was everybody scattering. Last supper night was Peter denying Jesus. Last supper night was like, oh man, all of these bad decisions, all of hell breaking loose in a lot of ways. Last supper night was painful, but what I love is breakfast. There's something beautiful about breakfast, and I realize that sometimes more than anything else, I need breakfast. I need breakfast because breakfast means a new day. Breakfast means that Jesus can restore me today. Breakfast is like his mercies are new every morning. And maybe you needed to wake up this morning and have breakfast. And I don't mean that literally. I mean that more metaphorically. Like maybe you need breakfast today. There, Jesus says, I will meet you in your mistakes. I will meet you in your weakness. I will meet you in that failure. Whatever's in your mind, whatever came out of your mouth, whatever action that you have done, I will meet you there and let's have breakfast together. Isn't that beautiful? Like let's have breakfast. Jesus, Jesus restores Jesus restores us. Jesus recalls us. You know, it's what I love about God. He doesn't just forgive us, which would be great enough. He's like, yeah, no, I still want to use you. <laughs> Any of you confused by the fact that God still wants to use you? Like, like, and I, like what? He's recalled. Peter, I, went, I got something for you. And I would say to you, he's got something for you. You think about when a car gets recalled? Something's going wrong. Buzzers and lights that you just can't ignore anymore. Check engine light. You bring it in and there's that part that's a little off that gets fixed. But you don't just get put out. You get... Put back, put back on the road, put back on the purpose for which you were designed and created. And maybe there's someone here today that God's just saying, I'm recalling you. I'm recalling you into my purpose. I'm recalling you into my mission. I'm recalling you. Yeah, you've got some mistakes. Yeah, you've got a mouth. Yeah, you, you've got some, you've got some quick anger. Yeah, you've cut off people's ears. Yeah, like you, you've done it. But I can still use you. And then he's recommitted. He's recommitted. 
I love, love, love how the story ends. Two words, exclamation mark at the English translation. Follow me. Follow me. Do what I do. Love as I love. In that upper room, Jesus <coughs> gathered some, some bread, as you have hopefully been able to bring in here. And Jesus says, this is my body given for you. Man, your weakness is uh, never going to be strong enough, which hits at our pride. Our strength is never going to be great enough. Our morality, meh, like filthy rags, is what Scripture will say, not John Rose. My best is not all that beautiful. Which sounds condemning, but it's completely freeing. Because it's all about the grace of God. It's all about what Jesus did. And he has done that for you, and he will do that for you. And so we take this in remembrance of our King. He took the juice and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Whenever you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. That I can meet you in your weakness. That yeah, it comes under pressure. But I can restore you. I can recall you. I can recommit you. I can redeem you. So we take to our King. Would you all stand with me? Maybe you're here today and you are suffering the effects of this past week. Maybe last night was, was dark. Maybe, maybe last night has been a long night of years and decades and darkness. And Jesus is just inviting you to breakfast. Saying, I'm new for you today. Come free. Let me restore you. Let me bring you back. If you need prayer, if there's a way that we can be praying for you together with you, Dan will be down here. I'll be over here in the front. And we'd love to pray with you, whatever it is you're going through. And if today's the day you want to be baptized into Jesus, if you want to say, I want to follow you, and, 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 and like Peter, you don't have it all figured out, and you never will have it all figured out, but you're willing to say, God, I'm in, I'm in. I don't understand it all, but I am in. I will, I will walk with you, and I will depend upon your grace and your mercy. Um, every Sunday we give you the opportunity to be baptized. All in, head to toe, clothes and all, saying, Jesus, I'm yours. And I thank you for your restoration. Today is the day you can do that. We all pray with me. Lord, I thank you that we are restored in you. Lord, I thank you that you know us in our weakness and that you meet us on the beach. Lord, I thank you that we feel the fires of, of pressure and you give provision. And so, Lord, anyone here today that needs a new day, I pray that they might seize it in you, that they might take your grace that they might feel your restoration and they can leave here free, recommissioned and recalled into you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
Giving up and my heart is now 